You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Orphan Black After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Orphan Black After Show. Hello, Cold Cl- Oh my god, you were doing a dance. I was! You were doing a dance? I was doing Matt Lieberman's sexy dance. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what you I Hi, Clone Club. Welcome to another edition of After Buzz Orphan Black. My name is Ned Olaz. I was not dancing. Uh, I was the only one here, I think, not dancing. Uh, I, I, I didn't dance. I didn't dance. Now I regret it. Now I regret it. He's not that guy. We're getting assimilated. Uh, across from me, the lovely Anna Cobble with that with her version of the Clone uh, Club dance. I feel like, hey guys, first of all, but I feel like her version of is offensive. Yeah. Everyone yeah, has their the own version dance. of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You made it. Same. It was Thank as you. flawless as when it's, I did. You made it your own. You're yeah. such an original. You were just as good as you were just as good as Matt Lieberman, who's sitting next to me, his version of the clone. You guys are dance. just digging a deeper hole. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> See yeah. Knows. yeah, there we go. And then uh, uh, diagonally across from me, if you're watching on I t- on uh, on YouTube or streaming live on AfterBuzz TV, is Will Link. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. So welcome, guys. <laughs> hey, before we get started, uh, we'd love to talk about Orphan Black, but we also want to talk about another show that uh, we are. Definitely yeah. involved so with. So if you uh, if you watch AfterBuzz or listen to AfterBuzz and have been for a long time, you're obviously very aware of our co-founders Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro, uh, who have an unscripted series, a docu series on Oxygen uh, that's been airing for a little while called Chasing Maria Menounos. Now I, I'm not I'm not an unscripted guy. I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but you know I personally love their show. I think it's very raw. It's a very intimate look at their lives. I think that Maria is a very fascinating person to profile, uh, and they've they've come. In I think at a, a really, really interesting, dramatic time in their lives. If you want to support AfterBuzz TV, obviously we talk about iTunes every week that rates, r- ratings and reviews really, really help us out. But so does this show. It helps pay for what we do. And it also shows off AfterBuzz TV. Mm. There's a lot of AfterBuzz drama on the show. So if you're a fan, you want to see some behind-the-scenes stuff, check out their show. It's on Oxygen Tuesdays at 10 p.m. And it's also available. Let's just say it's fun. It's, it's a it's lot a of fun. It's a fun show. It's a fun, I, funny show. I've been watching it. I love seeing the cameos. I love seeing yeah. the familiar faces from AfterBuzz. I, I saw the uh, pool party again. Oh, uh, yeah. Recently. Yeah, it's a great one. one. That's a great one. Um, so it's available on Oxygen at Tuesdays at 10 p.m. and also on iTunes and Amazon for purchase. And while we're talking about iTunes, let's just get this out of the way, too, that we have over, what, 70 uh, different shows here on AfterBuzz, and mm-hmm. they're all available on iTunes. You can listen to um, them on audio there. And, of course, when you do that, you can also subscribe to all the other shows. You can rate us as well. It's really important for us to see the ratings because we love to see five stars, first of all, but also it's something we could show off to our sponsors. It could show off to publicists when we're trying to get guests on for our shows. So it really it really does do a lot for us. So it yeah. really is important to us. And we'd love to hear your voices and see exactly it's what those, you think. It's those ratings and those reviews that helped us get an interview like the one we have today with uh, Christian Brune is going to be on the show. Yes, I believe hey. he might be on the show uh, on the show right now. Is he on the phone? Christian? 
Hey, everybody. How's hey. it going? Hey. Awesome. Hey. We were being monitored that entire time. <laughs> he was monitoring us. So, Christian, yeah. who plays uh, who plays Donnie on Orphan Black, thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really pleased to be with you guys. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about this week's episode, but we definitely want to at least start off with you. We, we, we've been looking forward to talking to you. You definitely are an interesting, uh, an interesting character to say the least. We've been trying to figure out what kind of monitor you are. If you're, if you're more like the Paul monitor with a past like Afghanistan, or if you're more of a scientist, or, or if you're just the high school, uh, you know, love interest that we all have grown to love. Yeah, let me ask you, Christian, when you signed on for the role, did you know that you were auditioning to be a monitor, or did you think you were auditioning for the part of Allison's husband? Uh, I, I had no idea that I was the monitor. It, it was originally just uh, just the role of, of Donnie Hendricks, husband to Allison. Um, and, of course, nobody knew anything about the show to begin with because I hadn't had a season yet, sure. and it was this mysterious show that was shooting. And uh, so I was just playing, uh, as far as I knew, a, a suburban sort of a, a boring suburban husband. And it was originally only supposed to be three episodes, and then it grew from there. Um, but there would be times as, we're, as we were shooting the first season where I, I would I would take Graham Manson and John Fawcett, who were the showrunners and the creators of the show, aside and be like, am I, am I the monitor? Because I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm getting tortured. And like, <laughs> am I the actual monitor? And they're like, um... We don't know, so just play it like you aren't. Like, All right. <laughs> well, I think that's what made that episode, those scenes, so much more fun uh, for all of us. Just watching, watching Allison just go off the deep end and torturing you, poor, poor Donnie. I was saying when I'm watching this whole thing with the candle wax. So. <laughs> When you say that uh, it was only supposed to be three episodes, what what changed? What changed? Well, I. The cool thing about the show is the writer's room is filled with just interesting interesting guys and gals in there, and they're just throwing around so many ideas. And as the first season, and a little bit in the second season, but in the first season they were sort of writing each episode as it, as it goes along. They were really adjusting as, as the season went to see where they thought things were working or, or where they wanted to take the direction of the show. So it was, it was a huge exercise in trust with the writing room that, that things would, would work out. And, and everybody that they have writing on the show are all super well-experienced, talented writers. So they're just, they're just bringing it up. You know, there was times when we'd be getting the script, you know, pretty soon to shooting an episode. So we didn't know everything as, as it was uh, at the beginning of the season. Everything was just kind of changing on the fly which is a really exciting and very scary way to shoot television. It's, but, uh, it's a very fascinating way to write a show, and I think it lends itself really well to the twisty nature of the narrative. It just kind of goes wherever it wants, and I think that that has a lot to do with how it's being written. I, I totally agree, and, and it keeps things fresh, and it keeps things exciting, and everyone involved, we're just, as you're working on the show, you can't wait to get the next episode. And whenever it comes through your mailbox, there were times when it would, it would come into my bill, my mailbox, uh, uh, my email at two a.m. and I knew I wouldn't be able to go to bed until I read that that script. And, and it was just exciting to get a new script every time. Everybody on the crew was always 
just hungry to see where the story was going to go next. Well, can I ask you, how much do you know about Donnie's past? As, as Nando was saying, a lot of fans have speculated, uh, you know, as to what Donnie's past is. As, as it was said, I think, on the show, uh, she was Donnie's high school sweetheart. They broke up, but then they got back together at some point. Uh, was, you know, Donnie approached during that time? Do you, uh, have they even told you anything about that? Um, I, I'm not going to give anything mm-hmm. away. I'm not, no spoilers because mm-hmm. I, I okay. want things to, you know, unravel organically. But, um, but I, I do know a few things and, um, thank God they've, they've told me a few things because it helps me build a backstory when I'm, when I'm playing the character. Totally. But, um, there will definitely be some answers. Um, in the future somewhere, and uh, and some things, you know, are, are best left to our imaginations, or you know, for whatever whatever um, whatever people want to come up with. I, I love watching on Twitter just the fans kind of pulling apart all the characters, but, but especially you know, for me looking at Donnie and Allison, and and uh, it is true we we were together in high school, and then there's that little time when we were broken up, and I had that dalliance with Ginny Newsbomb, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the character names are fantastic on the show, <laughs> but um, I, I don't want to give anything away because you will get some answers and, and some you might not. I, I'm not trying to be as mysterious as possible on that answer. What's okay. been the, what's been the biggest change for you between season one and season two shooting the show? As far as I mean, you mentioned that you have more answers now than you did last season. Were there any other changes you've noticed between the seasons for you? Um, I, well, first of all, just knowing that I'm Allison's monitor was a huge one. I, I didn't, I literally didn't know until the 10th episode of season one, until that last episode. And, um, and I, I mean, even I was speculating on, is it really Ainsley or what, what's going on? Uh, and we had no idea what was going to happen at the end of the season. And of course, boom, the reveals right at the end. So just coming into the season, I was wondering, and you guys talked about it last week. Um, uh, you know, how long is, is Allison going to be in the dark? about Donnie being her monitor and, and what is the more powerful way to reveal it? You know, how soon do you reveal to Allison that Donnie is her monitor? Because coming into season two, it's the audience and Donnie who have the upper hand on Allison. Now, like two episodes in, bang, all of a sudden Donnie thinks he's in the clear. He thinks he's all good, but Allison's on to him. And so the audience gets to enjoy watching Allison pick apart what's going on. And, and I think that's way more exciting for people to watch. People don't like to see a weak Allison. They like to see her on the offensive. Yeah, aggressively Absolutely. vacuuming. Yes. Aggressively and, and vacuuming. Off the, and off the deep end. Passive aggressively And off the deep end a bit, too. <laughs> um, well, one of the reasons I love the Allison scenes and the scenes with you and Allison is that it plays like this dark domestic comedy at times. And I actually wondered... Uh, Maybe about your background, if you had, if you, if you did a lot of comedy or something like that, or is that something they looked for when they were casting that role with you? Because some of those scenes between the two of you are hilarious. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I do have a bit of a comedy background. I've, I've spent some time doing you know some improv here and there and sketch and things like that. But uh, my, my background's pretty varied. I, I'm a classically trained actor, so I started off doing theater and a lot of Shakespeare and things like that. Uh, but I've always been in sort of a goofy you know, moron. So uh, I always have fun playing those comedic roles. And, and, uh, in terms of, of Donnie, um, they were, they were looking for the, the right Donnie for a while. And, uh, I was going to be doing a play at the time. And when they were casting it, I wasn't available. And then finally, when that play was done, they were still looking for the role and it was getting pretty close to, to when they were going to be using Donnie. 
And uh, my agent got me in there. She wanted to get me in there for a while because she thought I'd be good for the role. And uh, it just kind of lucked out. I had that just one audition, and they, they took me right off of that, which was pretty thrilling for me to just jump right into the role. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have spent some time, you know, doing some sketch and things like that, and it's, it's something that I always like to work in. I love working in comedy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, how's been the, the fan reaction? Have you been recognized a lot out there? I, you, I know you're uh, you're calling from up north, up in uh, up in Toronto, I believe, right? Yep, that's true. Uh, I usually I say like, oh, I don't get recognized that often. Mm-hmm. I, I wear glasses normally. I tend not to dress like Donnie. I don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, dress like a dumpy, frumpy <laughs> out there. Like today's um, outfit, yeah. uh, this week's outfit, the white shirt and everything. Yeah, totally. Just yeah, hanging out on the, the couch. Track pants. I try not to walk out in public in track pants or tidy whities <laughs> But uh, it happens, you know? Um, um, yeah, life's but, dangerous. Uh, today, I, right now I have a beard and glasses, mm. and uh, I was sitting in a little, my favorite little hipster coffee shop today, and, and someone totally recognized me and uh, and struck up a conversation about Orphan Black. So it does, it's funny. It's gr- I love talking to people on the street about it because I like to see how excited they are over the show, and it's, it's pretty amazing to see people really get into it. What's the craziest theater you've heard so far from a fan? Um, I, I've been called a bastard. <laughs> in terms of less of a theory and more of an accusation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I should I should clarify because of the character, not because of just who I am. Just, um, that's just something you were doing out on the street. That's that right. Day. You yeah, weren't yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's not because I'm in tidy whiteies out on the street. Uh, no, they, they, someone once saw me and they're like oh i know you from where do i know <gasps> you bastard they kind of came <laughs> like that. i really like that reaction i think that reaction is my favorite mm. uh in in your dream scenario where do you want the show to go what would you like to see next season and beyond well um just a, a continuation of of an expansion of the universe right i i of the show because that's one thing that I think we're experiencing right now in season two, three, three episodes in is um, so many new elements coming into this world. The whole first season of the show was all, you know, uh, all about what the heck is going on what the hell, who are we, what, what's going on. And then at the end of the season, you sort of get that, Oh, okay. All right. This is what's behind everything that's going on. Now season two, it seems to be all about growing in all these different directions. The clones, clones are running off in, in, in different directions, and you, you start to see other factions involved, involved with the Boletheans and the Neolutionists. And, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. I would just like to see that stuff expand even further. Absolutely. Now, so far you've done all your scenes, with the exception of a, of a little minor one, you've done all of your scenes with Tatiana as Allison, with the exception of the interrogation when she was uh, incognito as, as Sarah pretending to be Allison. So uh, I, I'm actually really curious to see. Uh, do you notice like the differences? I guess with uh, when you're when you're acting opposite her in a scene like that. I, I'm guessing you can't tell us if uh, Donnie has any other interactions in the future. Uh, we'd love to be surprised about that. But I'm really curious what your take is on on acting with someone like that. Right. Well, yeah, I can't speak towards the future of of Donnie's character, but but as myself being on set mm-hmm. and and just you know because because the days that we shoot are very long. First of all, and and uh, Tatiana will be playing multiple clones some days, sometimes two different clones or three different clones, just based based on what scenes we're shooting that day. So I might come in a little bit early on set, and she'll be shooting a Sarah scene. Um, in fact, uh, this this season, my first day on set, uh, she was. 
shooting a scene with Kira from episode three, mm-hmm. and uh, or sorry, no, episode two would have been. Um, and and I came in around the monitors, and I was watching um, people's reactions as, as they were shooting the scene, and and just watching her work as a different clone is, is a fascinating for me because I'm not used to seeing her as someone else, but b just seeing how into it all everybody else around the monitor is like people were were crying watching the scene between Sarah and Kira. So to see this this touching motherly side of Sarah, which which you see elements of in Allison with with uh, with our kids, with our characters' kids, um, but on a whole different level is is very very strange and it's incredible to watch. It's it's really a thing of beauty what she does. Mm-hmm. I can totally imagine. And it is like it is like talking to someone different. Like when you're looking at her and talking to her, and she's dressed as Sarah, but she's she's sort of in the diet dialect a little bit. She's got the accent a little bit, but she also sits out of it. It's it's it really throws you, but uh, sure. it's, it's incredible. I mean, she really does transform in front of your eyes. What do you love about Donnie? <laughs> what do I hate. love about Donnie? Or I love hate, I love that he's got this storyline. I love that he's you know being sneaky or he thinks he is. <laughs> I love that they have me doing you know stupid goofy things all the time, but they give me an element of of seriousness. There are times when I do have to to take it to a more dramatic level. And, and I really enjoy that they let me play with the comedy and the drama at the same mm-hmm. time. Does Donnie, do you think, or do you feel Donnie actually cares for Allison, that he, he loves Allison, or is this just like kind of a job for him? And I guess you that might be another thing you have to be careful how you how you answer that. Right. But, but uh, um, yeah, no, no, that's a great question. I, and it's something that... that uh, as soon as I found out that I was a monitor, that was something that I, I had to start questioning. Um, no, I, I, I do think he, he loves Allison. Um, love is a tricky thing, and, and as relationships go through bumps and scrapes and glue gun burns, you know, there are, <laughs> there are things that, that pull people apart and, and bring them back together. And, and I, think, uh, I think a lot of that is going to come out in the future, but... You know, there's going to be gray area as well. So I, I do think he loves his wife. He certainly loves his family. He loves his kids, his adopted kids. And, um, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say on that one. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Keep Fair. it mysterious, yeah. Fair enough. No, well, I, I mean, from the first season, I, I, I've been saying this since our, our first After Buzz show. My favorite clone has got to be Allison. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of that is because of the way she interacts with Donnie. Uh, I think you guys are, are, are great together. My two favorite scenes are, are the interrogation scene when you're uh, when you're tied up with the candle wax and, and the intervention was also hilarious. So I think those are just two of the most <laughs> yeah, but... memorable scenes uh, from season one. So I, I want to thank you for that. That's just a, a, some brilliant stuff there. I'm really curious, though, cause since you didn't know you were a monitor, I guess I guess it, I guess would you have played it differently knowing that or, or um Well that's that's the question and I'm really glad that, that Graham and John never told me I was a monitor early on. I, I like that they I whether they actually didn't know or whether they had it planned the whole time doesn't really matter. It doesn't change anything because um they wanted me to play it as if I wasn't. So that you know, it's as convincing as possible to the audience that I that I wasn't the monitor. So I could only play with what facts were given to me, which was, I'm not the monitor. I say, I'm not the monitor. I'm not the monitor. And that's what I played. And I think it would have changed things. I mean, they didn't want to even risk it. And, uh, I like that. They didn't tell me, I, I love having that mystery while, while we filmed the first season, the whole way through it kept things exciting for me. That's for sure. Hmm. Absolutely. 
So uh, I know um, one thing that we've seen a lot of this year, I mean, you saw the article in Entertainment Weekly. You guys made the cover, which was great. And uh, Comic-Con was one of the biggest panels they had this past year in San Diego. And there's been a lot of people dressed up as cosplay. We, uh, Will and I were actually at, at the uh, conversation, yeah. uh, and there were people in the audience dressed up as their favorite uh, as their favorite clones. So it must be really, really fascinating to see uh, how fast this, this took off in comparison to a year ago for you? It's it's absolutely amazing. The fans are incredible on this show. I've never been a part of a show that, that has such a loyal fan base as the Clone Club. And the Clone Club has totally grown through social media, through Twitter, through Tumblr, mm-hmm. everything. I, I'm getting sent fan art, uh, you know, people doing drawings of, of Donnie and, and Allison together or, you know, all the clones or everybody. And it's, it's absolutely amazing to watch how crazy these, these fans are. The Clone Club is awesome, and it's strong, and it's loud, and it's out there on Twitter, and it's, it's just so much. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll search the hashtag Clone Club and just see what people are saying. And sometimes it's, you know, anger about some of the characters in the show, like Donnie. And sometimes it's, it's you know, just they're just so amazed at Tatiana, as well they should be, because she's just awesome. It's cool. It's, it's great to see fans get so behind the show. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I hear, well, I was told that I needed to make you do your Pink Panther impression because apparently it's amazing. <laughs> that was actually, that was that was from uh, the second episode. That was from the script. Um, Karen Walton wrote the second episode. She's uh, one of the executive producers. And uh, she, for that, that scene in the cemetery when uh, Donnie is spying on Allison and she's meeting with Sarah Stubbs, um, it said in the script, um, Donnie Pink Panthers between the between the grave grave sites or gravestones, and I just got such a kick out of that. That was so much fun to shoot. Just sitting there running through a, it was really bizarre filming in a in a cemetery. I've never done that before, but uh, I, I really got a kick out of yeah, Donnie Pink Panthering between the the headstones. Funny, yeah, That's funny. Were you doing the little theme in your head as you were doing it, sneaking around? <laughs> oh, God, yeah, of course. Have the time of your life. Uh, here's what, one question that I have, uh, just from from Donnie's perspective, what does he think is going on with Allison at this point in time? He knows that she's freaked out. I mean, does he think it's just about Ainsley's death? Or, like, how, how much do, does he know, or wh- how do you think he feels about her current state of mind? She's obviously agitated. Yeah, she's 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 been let's say stressed out for the last little bit. I mean, if, if we were to sort of clock the time between the beginning of season one and and into where we are in season two, it hasn't really been that long. It's only right. been you know a few weeks altogether that that all this madness has happened to to Allison. So from Donnie's perspective, without you know saying too much, his wife is is really you know hitting the, the booze pretty hard and yeah, yeah. and going a little bit off any you know, hitting him in the face of the golf club and, and taping him, duct taping him and torturing him. <laughs> it's it's a little insane right now. And uh yeah, I think for Donnie to watch all this happening, he's just gotta think of the kids and just make sure everything seems to be stable and, and, and coming into season two everything seems to be settled down she's not she's not doing anything too crazy in, in terms of what donnie can see so so i think i think he thinks everything is kind of whatever happened has run its course maybe it was just a little bit of stress or something but right. uh 
things are back to normal and, and, and Donnie is just back to being a good old monitor again. Lovely. <laughs> Little does he know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I know we got to wrap this up. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking with us. We're literally looking forward to this, and it's awesome. And I, can't, I know that there's going to be a lot more Donnie later on this season. We'd, so we'd love to have you come back when, when obviously more is revealed. And maybe we can talk to you a little bit more because I know I know some stuff is still a little tight lipped for right now with you. Well, I would I would definitely love to come back and uh, yeah, the show just keeps getting more and more exciting as the season goes on. Yeah, I will say that it, on every clone level, like it, it, it's <laughs> it's just wild where they where they start going and and I'm so excited for it to get out there. So thanks for having me on the show. Oh, of course, and, and I definitely. I'll come back and talk to you guys. Because, I know. Uh, I know. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the future. Oh yeah, no, I can't wait either. And again, thanks for calling in from Toronto. I know morning's the best time for you, but uh, but you know, <laughs> but I'm glad you, you called know, in a isn't little bit. Isn't it for everybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much so. I think that's about true. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you guys are awesome, and thanks so much for tracking the show. You guys give such in-depth commentary on the show. It's 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 awesome. So uh, I look forward to what you guys pull apart from each episode and I'll talk to you guys in a few. Great. All right. Thanks <laughs> Thank a lot. You. Thank Christian. you so much. Thank you. Everyone, that was Christian, uh, Christian Brune from uh, uh, from Orphan Black. That was Donnie. That was Donnie, guys. That was Donnie. Yeah, we had a monitor. Insight from a monitor. It was really funny. Before we started the show, he he said he was watching a streaming on AfterBuzz TV. We were being monitored before we even started talking to him. It was pretty weird. Creeping in real life. (laughs) Let's get into this. Absolutely, I love this episode. Let's talk about the episode now because uh, oh, I don't have the title of it in front of me, but it was mingling uh, its own nature with it. That's what, and there was definitely a lot of mingling. Going on this episode, if you know what I mean. What I well, Donnie, didn't, Donnie didn't get any. Donnie didn't mingle. He did not mingle. But Sarah mingled. But Sarah mingled quite a bit. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know what I loved about this episode? Mm-hmm. It might have. It might not have been as action packed as the first two, but I think it's one of the most rawly emotional episodes that the series has actually had mm. so far. You had the moment where Felix feels like he's kind of has no place in that emotional scene where he's crying. You have Casima uh, dealing with this heavy burden of seeing what might happen to her Mm -hmm. in the future with the the Jennifer autopsy. And most of all, this is probably the most we've gotten to see Sarah and Kira together and her be a mother and Mm. talk to her and have heart to hearts. We haven't, I mean, we've had a little bit of that, but this was like basically the whole episode they were together. Well, Sarah definitely got to play the mother for the first time in a while. I mean, season one was all about her trying to get Kira back. And this is the first time she got to show herself with Kira and they did that little scam on the general store with uh, with Felix uh, yeah. pulling that little uh, that little scam but but Sarah was like this is not the way I want my daughter to live ultimately mm-hmm. so except that it was it was the first time that uh Felix and Sarah and Kira all were at ease uh it opened almost almost open on Sarah laughing at Felix stepping in poop. I mean, she really just got silly <laughs> and giggly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the first time she's been able to relax in a really long time. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, later after they had stolen the food from, from the general store, uh, you know, Felix is telling Kira this, you know, silly story about it's the worst thing that ever happened to him is he forgot to comb his hair on picture day or he couldn't mm-hmm. find his comb or whatever it was. But, but um, they were all just so relaxed mm-hmm. and... Uh, and got to giggle together, which I, I thought was just so lovely. And moments like this are really good because usually it's kind of like a nice little false sense of security before stuff starts hitting the fan. Right, yeah. right. Which right. we obviously saw at the end of this episode, before with, without jumping it too far ahead at least. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about, we have a new character 
we have a major new character in Cal. Yeah. Who was the house that they broke into and it ended up being uh, someone from Sarah's past. Mm -hmm. And not only that, someone from Kira's past. Right. Her dad. Again, uh, the show doing a great job not wasting any time. Mm -hmm. Not making us sit through even a whole episode wondering, I wonder if he's Kira's father. Nope. Right away. Kira has that sense about it and boom. We have our answer. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Which, like, you know, and we get a sense of his, uh, uh, he's, he's got good instincts, and that's where Kira gets hers, because she's always been, like, right on the money. It's a little suspicious how right on the money she is. Mm. Like, she just yeah. immediately knows that seems kind of just a little bit suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy is uh, obviously, at least appears to be, a genuinely good person, very intelligent, invented these pollinators trying yeah. to help curb... Yeah. Yeah, help curb the uh, the loss of the bee population around the world, and instead it's being used as a as a military technology. Well, that's what's really interesting about this character. I, I found because first of all, well, he felt slighted by Sarah. Yes. Sarah obviously pulled a scam on yeah. him. I mean, she and got pregnant by him, but then kind of like ran off. Had developed potentially yeah. some very real feelings yeah. for her. And then here here's another situation where he was building these machines for this company that was not for military use and all of a sudden the company went around his back and they decided to do their own thing so he's kind of bitter from his relationship with Sarah and you'd say he's kind of bitter with his relationship from what he was doing with his company he can't catch a break this guy and it's potentially a parallel you know for Project Lita and Mm -hmm. whatever the fallout was from that in that, you know, maybe the research for these clones was meant to be purely theoretical, mm-hmm. and then the folks who founded Dyad decided we should make it a little more active. There's, there definitely seems to be a possible mirror mm-hmm. to Project Leader, to what's going on with the clones, and maybe some relationship with Cal that we'll start finding out more about. Well, yeah, I mean, he has a science background, exactly. clearly, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't give him that kind of background right. in the show unless it's going to connect somehow. He I has think. a science background, yet he's out in the middle of the wilderness for, for reasons we still don't know. 100% why he's out there as well, if he's he maybe says, hiding out. He says that he's burnt out from what happened mm-hmm. and that he just he wanted to get away. But that's still but he was always there. He was all, yeah, but ex- you're right. He was always there because Sarah knows that that's where he lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, we don't know necessarily why he's out there, but I think somebody who's trying to uh, repopulate the bee population or keep nature you know, afloat, as it were, mm-hmm. would want to be in nature, wouldn't want to necessarily be in the city. Um, he's a very interesting dude, but what I loved about, you know, this reveal that he is the father is that Felix really lets Sarah have it. Mm. Really lets her yeah. have it for continuing to just to lie to his face and, you know, drag him on this wild goose chase when she should be confiding in him. You know, she's known all along who Kira's father was and let him guess between Ziggy the drummer and that guy <laughs> you met in Orange County and then, you know, you say we're, we're just going to, you know, break into someone's house for a night just so that Kira can have a bed when you're actually trying to set her up with her long lost dad for yeah. some reason. I mean, uh, if you can't trust me, who are you supposed to trust? And I'm supposed to trust you. She, yeah. He yeah. left his life to go on this. He's not in danger, as yeah. far as we know. She's the one in danger. It's the one person she shouldn't be treating like a pawn in yeah. any way. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's why I love that scene in Jordan uh, Gavaris or whatever. He yeah. was so brilliant in that scene. It was, was so emotional. Right. I mean, and not to mention the fact that he left, I mean, we were talking about it last week, he left Allison in a lurch. Allison is someone who definitely needs him, who trusts him, and and he's leaving to go to out with Sarah just to be 
betrayed by her or lied to or, or not being told a hundred percent of the truth. And I was glad to mm. see that he went, but like it, the yes. Allison play was important to him. Yeah, that he got back there for he that. He did the right thing. He went right back to Allison's play. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. opens tomorrow. I'm gonna be there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Good for it. him. Yeah. yeah. So and nice to see that hitchhiking can work out for someone without unforeseen consequences. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in this day and age, that's what I got from this episode. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> not do that home. in L.A. Yeah. but or New York, but uh, but maybe out there in I'll the Canadian what, countryside, it's okay. I'd be more afraid to do it in the countryside. I don't know what they're they're cloning people. This thing's going on out I there. Don't I'm not there. there. I don't know. Don't you see like the, the classic horror movie when someone gets away from the, the abandoned house and they and they find a ride? Next thing you know, they're back at the house again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see yeah. what happens with that. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. But uh, let's let's get into Allison since that's where obviously Felix is going for. He's going to see Blood Ties. He's going to see Allison's debut. But but Allison's not handling things very well. No. I mean, we knew it would be a train wreck. Like, mm-hmm. we knew she was going to fall apart. And they did it spectacularly well. Mm-hmm. Especially with kind of the the final straw being um, uh, Angie, uh, Angela, DeAngelis, mm-hmm. approaching her as a cop. I feel like that <laughs> How... was the final thing that sent her over the edge. <laughs> How terrible is Angela DeAngelis at, at this kind of thing? Because she... Did did everybody notice this? She approaches her, approaches Allison, mm-hmm. and is like, "Can I lock my keys in the car? Can I borrow your cell phone to call my husband?" Mm-hmm. Gets right on the phone, and it's like, "Hey, Laura, it's yeah. me." What an idiot! <laughs> no, no, no. She, that that was meant to be his assistant. His assistant. His assistant or his secretary. Oh, okay. yeah, that was yeah. meant to be his assistant. Oh, okay, so like she's not as bad as, yeah. as I think. She's no, trying to be. She was. was actually, she was doing pretty well. She had no reason to suspect that Allison would be suspicious of a potential brand new friend. Except for the fact that I felt she was just a little too urban to be the suburban soccer mom type of True. yoga yeah. person. She a, still a had little that little too, bit of that New York edge, that little right. cop edge to her. Yeah, she yeah, was an aggressive, but she was aggressive, not passive aggressive. And it immediately set her off. Yeah. 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 Um, she called Helena that Shakira haired lookalike. Yeah, <laughs> which I love. Yeah, so good. Yeah, but she's obviously going on her own to try and figure this out, and uh, and and Allison's her biggest tie right now to, mm-hmm. to finding things out but she's not doing really a good job of winning her over right I was yeah. really worried about this storyline that Allison was going to you know uh, try to befriend her you know any port in a storm mm-hmm. but Allison is is too smart to, to recognize you know she recognizes that there's something obviously up although she it's very untimely for Cosima and Delphine's relationship potentially because she thinks that if she's being double monitored and she's giving this false information to Cosima who's already in a heightened well, emotional that, state that's the thing about Allison I see though Allison is the kind of person that she's so dramatic and all she cares about is herself mm-hmm. that even if someone else is trying to friend her she's just so paranoid and she'll just go in deeper and deeper I mean that's partly why she's drinking and taking pills because that's her way of dealing yeah. of numbing the pain not reaching out for, for any help because she doesn't trust anybody her only her major support Felix the only who she had to trust that was a big yeah. thing for her to just mm-hmm. trust Felix and he's gone so all she really has right now are maybe Sarah Stubbs well, and and the pill but you can't confide in Sarah Stubbs about <laughs> about all this and, and that's the <laughs> other thing about this episode never before have one of the taglines in the first season was a clone is never alone yeah. all these clones have never been more alone at this point in the yeah. second season i mean they're all separate they're all on their separate islands doing their own thing mm-hmm. and uh, i mean you so she called Kasima in desperation but Kasima rightly so, was dealing with her own craziness, having to, to do an autopsy on one of the other clones, so she couldn't even help Allison. Yeah, absolutely. So, And of course, just seeing more of Blood Ties is just hilarious, seeing that whole uh, that whole 
uh, seen some more beautiful uh, lyrics that I can't find right now, but just pretty much just her just feeling this guilt from Ainsley while she's it's, doing this. It's really perverse <laughs> how she's being put through the ringer over this. I mean, honestly, the choice mm. of musical and that she's the star and she's getting so verklempt on stage that her already, like, the voice, it starts out like, okay, like she yeah. can kind mm. of sing and then it just gets progressively more pitchy and then it just becomes like husky yelling the lyrics. <laughs> and like she's just not a well person. Mm. I had uh, I read an interview this week where they talked about how uh, they originally wanted it to be Greece. That was what they were originally <laughs> was going to be Greece, and they wanted her to be Sandy. And it just the rights were too much oh, to, yeah, to get it to use. So but they had funny. all the, yeah they had all this material they wanted to use to, to for that. Oh well, I, I find it hard. I, this just seems but like this the perfect. perfect. Yeah. yeah, they yeah. found the perfect thing. Yeah. I can't see her doing anything else but this. This is just the perfect. thing. I really hope yeah. there's a production of this put on somewhere here in Los Angeles. I, I would be there day one. Considering yeah, considering it's from the Fringe Festival, uh, I'm sure they're, they're going to probably send it around on tour. I'm sure it's definitely going to be. You know, a winner in, yeah. uh, out of this whole. <laughs> or at the very thing. least, if there's like an an ongoing fan screening, that should be the intermission. Is this is a musical number from Blood Ties? Yes, yeah. the they wipe, should, wipe, wipe away the hours. They should do something. Maybe a comic con. They should have a, a little performance that of Blood Ties, rad. like one of the nights. Fly there. out the cast. That'd yeah. be the greatest. That would be Con- great. Considering the way the play ends, I mean, are we looking at a second intervention for Allison? Do you think? Do you I would, think they might try. I don't know. She collapses. I imagine there's a hospital visit in her future. Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine Rehab. that too. I would imagine. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure uh, Christian couldn't talk much about it, but just what Donnie's, you know, Donnie's thoughts about her delving into drugs. Uh, you know, he he obviously mm-hmm. can't reach out to Allison. He tries to have sex with her, and she's like, no, mm-hmm. no, just a cold fish with him. So, well, uh, why shouldn't she be? He's a monitor. He's been lying <laughs> to her for years. He's a jerk. True, but she's been like that since season one, since before she suspected. Fair, but uh, <laughs> but you know, the fact is, he ultimately has no power in this situation. He can't tell her that she has to go to rehab. He can't give her an intervention because the rule is they make their own choices. So even if she falls down a dark pit of drugs and al- drug and alcohol abuse, mm. he has to just watch it happen. Technically, yes. Which, if he does love her, as, as Christian says, is has got to be a real killer of a situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky spot. Yeah. I mean, like, on a level, I'm starting to empathize with Donnie a little bit because it is an incredibly – it's an incredibly complex situation. Mm. First person you ever loved. You know, you broke up because you were so young. Someone pays you a bunch of money to stay together. You start to raise a family, and there's nothing you can do as she continues to spin out of control. You can't even voice an opinion. That is really interesting because he plays such a, a low-status character when he's with Allison, but I never really thought about it as a monitor. He can't really take a stand uh, at times. The only time we've seen him take a stand really was in the limo where he actually showed some powers when he was in the limo at the end of season one when we found out he was a monitor. He took a stand during her first intervention after she demanded the intervention end, which again is just him backing up whatever she wants to do in her own but again, how views. far? But how far can he go? As opposed to uh, a regular relationship where you don't have a, mm-hmm. a company behind you saying these are the rules and this is what you have to do. The other thing we don't know what uh, Leaky has told Donnie mm-hmm. about why he is monitoring her. Mm-hmm. We don't know. I mean, once again, he, he might think this is again something very much in her best interest for whatever 
reason. Right. Yeah. Any lie could have been told because they have the whole double blind where he doesn't know it's about clones. We still don't know how he became her monitor either. I mean, Delphine was always Cosima's monitor and then she fell in love with her. Yeah. Uh, so it could be the same situation. We really don't know what it is. Uh, Paul, we, you know, Paul was there for a while, but we don't know his situation. Paul, who hasn't been around in two episodes. And, and really interesting right. now that Cal's in the picture too. Yeah. I, I forgot to bring that up. Oh, what that's yeah. going to mean for the um, Paul-Sarah relationship. By the way, this actor who plays Callan, I'm going to butcher his name. If somebody can say it better than me, is it is it Michael? Michael. Is it Michael? Well, you can say Michael right now. But no, but it's like it's spelled it's spelled different. It's spelled different. <laughs> I know. Uh, who, Hoosman? He's who, no, I, I don't know. Hoisman or who, maybe I think Hoisman. 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 Okay. Anyway, Hoisman. This guy's the luckiest man on television because he is both with the two most badass women on all of television. He's with Sarah Manning and Orphan Black, and he's on Game of Thrones with uh, Daenerys Targaryen. So That's this, guy's, this yeah. guy's doing pretty well for himself. He's having a pretty banner year. Yeah. Yeah. Go you, sir. No, very, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, isn't he on Nashville, too? I, Nashville too. I don't watch Nashville. I, I don't know if he's on it currently, but I know he was on Nashville. Mm, okay. Yeah, dude's getting it. But he's definitely getting he's getting places, that's for sure. Well, this season definitely promised some bigger stars and mm-hmm. some more some more guest starring spots. Yeah. So yeah. are we are we in a in a spot have if we tapped out Allison, can we talk about Kasima for a Let's second? Let's talk yes. about her because okay. I think it's important also we need to bring up this new clone that we finally got right. to see. Jennifer. Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer Fitzsimmons. Fitz, uh, Fitzsimmons. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Cosima is, uh, she's coming on to Delphine. Delphine is just making herself at home in Leaky's office because mm. he's off and gone. Uh, and, you know, we kind of see like a little, like a little levity in this scene before it all comes crashing down. Cosima, you know, wanting to play a prank on Leaky. Uh, and generally being a little less responsible than Delphine, you know, kind of making her laugh. But Delphine is letting her in. You know, she as she says, you know, we promised we'd tell you everything. You know, this is everything. If you can't handle it, let us know. And we're, I'm so proud of Cosima. She's like, you know, don't be a bitch. Yeah. And and Delphine is like, okay, good. Yeah. You're 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 being you. Can I say something aside here? I was just interested in what you guys thought of Delphine's outfit. I thought it was very different for her. She just had a lot more of a. I don't know, but clinical, yeah. clinical vibes. I don't know if it was clinical. It was just more. I don't know, more like a pantsuit thing. It didn't on. stick out to me, but it felt like she was at work. This, this is, is so funny. I don't even remember it at all. And I, I, it, I remember the pants. It's just black slacks and kind of. It was like a very button-up shoe, but it looked kind of blouse. Excuse me for saying, but it looked a little butch. And I'm just used to seeing her in dresses for some reason. Even when she's in in the lab, I think she because well, she has a lab coat. Yeah, a lab say, coat. Yeah. But she just seemed more. I don't know. Almost. I don't know. Almost more like authoritative. It was weird. I don't. I, I for. Some reason that stuck out to me. Maybe it's a subtle way of asserting her power in her relationship. And also, she was a little more authoritative in this because she's presenting this new material. She, like you said, she was asking Kasima if she can handle this and stuff. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I good for Kasima to say that, but I don't think Kasima can handle it right now. She she seemed and understandably so freaked out. Well, just yeah. keep looking at Jennifer. So well, it's because she's facing down yeah, her yeah. own mortality. She's looking down the barrel of a gun mm-hmm. that's going to fire whether she wants it or, wants it to or not. And it's it's proof that this disease will kill her. Yes, mm-hmm. she died three days ago. Well, I'm wondering if we're going to get to a point where. We see that because the front that Kasima is putting on mm-hmm. won't hold. It mm. won't, not for long. But I think the most perverse thing, she has to perform an autopsy essentially on, on herself. herself. Um, we have, she has to perform an autopsy essentially on herself, which she can barely handle, mm-hmm. which leads me to potentially a very bold theory and prediction for, for the series going forward, if I may. Please. You may. So, you may. 
as they're performing this autopsy, they realize that the polyps may have originated within Jennifer's uterus, uh, which may be the reason why the clones cannot uh, reproduce. Now, I've often thought since the first season that the genesis of this disease might be in the artificial chromosome that they used as a way to write a patent within the DNA of the clones. It's an artificially created chromosome that serves no physical purpose and may very well have caused damage that they might not have foreseen because it's essentially genetic nonsense. It doesn't, it doesn't belong in a human body. So I'm wondering if Either A, this chromosome is the genesis of the disease, or if it's a form of medication or testing that the clones that were in the trial received that Sarah and Helena did not, which would explain why they can reproduce. Hmm. Um, I think that that is going to come to pass. I think that's what's happening. Uh, they're going to realize that Cosima will be able to figure out a cure that may involve rewriting that artificial chromosome. And in order to protect their patent... Dyad will limit the cure to only to clones that are willing to sign a formal affidavit giving full control of their lives and ownership wow. to Dyad, causing Sarah and Kasima to have to fight back to get the cure. Maybe that's too big, but I think that's where the season's going, well, and to see I'm that calling happen, it now. To see that happen, we'd have to definitely Thank see you. other clones getting uh, getting sick as well. So that's definitely going to have to be a step okay. in that, especially with Sarah, because we still don't know the whole thing with Sarah. She's just a biological goldmine who mm-hmm. apparently is close to invulnerable, not cl- invulnerable, but definitely is a lot more stronger than the other clones. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that she had kids, I assume she and can't get too. disease, but... Allison, who knows what could happen to her? She is probably just as vulnerable to this as any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at this point we got to wrap it up really soon, but I want to do a couple of shout outs because we definitely love our fans who uh, post on iTunes and give us some ratings and uh, also even on YouTube. Uh, I've got the YouTube here. Uh, BBC America, you know, they're, they're such good, big supporters of the show. Thank you so much, BBC America. They're so kind to us. Sarah E. Oops, my, my thing's going crazy here. Uh, 088EO, Wilfred Brooks, Ash Lee, Ruben Myra, uh, or Mira, uh, Nokomis, Florida, Scott Metter, Chantel Miller, and Emma Frost 45, I guess that's an X-Men fan, L.M. Keen, and Mr. Rock and Rock, who uh, actually was talking about Sinister, and I, yeah. I, I wrote back about Sinister being uh, a mirror, like left-handed, like a mirror of uh, Sarah. Uh, Tiffany F., Sarah E., thank you so much. You have some people yeah, on iTunes. and uh, on iTunes, we have JRD555, James Ree 74 and Iron Golem. There's also some, a very nice fan who tweeted at me during the week asking for a shout-out because he had predicted the uh, Cal reveal. Unfortunately, I, I honestly can't find it, so I apologize to you. You deserve a shout-out. I'm let's, sure he will tweet at you again. I'm sure he will. Let's do some quick predictions. Uh, let's go with Anna today first. Uh, okay. Uh, you, and just to let you all know, we're on like just a really serious time crunch today, so we're sorry that we didn't get to Helena. But uh, yeah. uh, Oh, boy. That was a big one, too, yeah. actually. That's some of my predictions. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to skip predictions. I just can't get into okay. all of it. Okay. All right. So. All right. <laughs> Well, my predictions are, again, mostly with Helena. Uh, I think Art is going to rescue Helena from this creepy Prolethean rape bar. 
barn that she's being brought to. She's totally going to be bred with Mark, and I'm not ready for it. I mean, it's, it. it is upsetting. That's what, what I was afraid of last week. I really was afraid of this happening last yeah. week. But, you know, Art's on the case, and I, I think he might be the one to get her out of there. Yeah, right. well, I, I'm, I'm going to say that Allison's going to go to the hospital, and I believe that she's going to definitely find a re- revelation about her physiology in the hospital for, from her passing out over at the theater. Uh, that's going to be the big thing. And again, sorry guys, we didn't get to really talk about Helena because that was an awesome thing. Our Christian interview, you know, we, we wanted to run that one a little bit extra long, so we'll definitely get more in depth next week. Right. Okay. Uh, where can we find you, Will, during the week? On Twitter, at the Real Will Link. I also host a podcast on the Westcast Network, Will Sean Podcast. Okay. Anna? You can follow me at Koppel for Mayor, K-O-P-P-E-L-F-O-R-M-A-Y-O-R. And, yeah, please, throughout the week, tweet at all of us so we mm-hmm. can talk more about the episode. Mr. Lieberman? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman, M-A-T-T-L-I-E-B-E-R-M-A-N. You can find all my AfterBuzz TV, SourceFed, and everything else at my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Matthew D. Lieberman. And you can find me at the Twitter as well, at Nandovel, N-A-N-D-O-V-E-L and here on AfterBuzz for various shows. Thank you so much, Clone Club, for tuning in. Tune in next week for another great episode of Orphan Black on AfterBuzz. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.